Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for Here We Go, the Steelers off-season show. Yep, that's what it is. You know, there might not be games lined up right around the corner, but there's so much to talk about. There's those off-season games that net players, that net coaches, that set everything up that we watch and we preview for the pregame show in the fall. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me, as always, is the one, the only, the coach, KT Smith. Kevin, what is going on, my man? Hey, Brian. Uh, I, you know what? I listened to your intro there. It, it makes me realize just how how much I do love this, this time of the year from, from a football perspective because we're just uh, we're amping up now for – for free agency and the draft and uh and that's just the uh the hope springs eternal sort of period of of the year where you get an opportunity to address some of your needs and you know you just kind of get these prospects you fall in love with and it's just uh it's an exciting time because because there's no consequences i guess at this point in the season uh but it's you know it's cool to 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 look at how teams are going to get put together so that's something we've been focusing on the show the the putting together of the 2022 Steelers. So I'm excited to talk about it. And, you know, it's all about the ingredients. You know, I'd like to know how the cake is made. I also love to taste the cake, but it's really cool to know inside. So I call this the director's cut, basically, of podcast, where I can actually talk to a coach, a coach that knows how to assemble a team and what they're doing this time of year to get things going for the fall. Doesn't matter if it's Pee Wee, which I know you've coached Pee Wee in the past. I does not matter if it's high school, college, or if it is in the professional ranks. It's all about the recipe. It's all about putting it together. And that's what we're discussing the next couple months on Here We Go. So with that being said, here we go. Kevin, it's been a crazy week because we're hearing all of the stuff coming out of the Combine. And it's kind of hope springs eternal because hope springs eternal for the teams and for the players that are showing themselves off. You know, the combine really, it's going to elevate some guys. Some guys come up with a great 40 time and they jump up from a sixth round pick to a second or maybe a first. 
Um, but gosh, I remember a guy in 1995 for the Eagles, Mike Mamola, who really showed up at the combine. Next thing you know, he was ninth overall for the Eagles. Wasn't a great pro, but he made it based on the combine. So what are your thoughts of the combine so far? And I think you have some personal thoughts about it as well. Yeah, well, first of all, here in South Jersey, where the majority of people are filled up the Eagles fans, if you, if you bring up the name Mike Mamula, you will be greeted with a cold stare as a result. <laughs> and workout warrior is the perfect phrase for him. And I feel bad for Mike Mamula because he actually wasn't as bad a pro as people would let you believe. It's just that he didn't turn in the career that you would expect of a, a top 10 pick. And like you said, his combine is really what elevated him into that uh, range when he probably you know was more realistically like a low first round or maybe second round pick. But yeah, you mentioned something personal. And I, I right before we came on uh, to do the show, uh, I was watching some of the combine and, and Rutgers, Rutgers wide receiver Bo Melton ran a, a 4-3-4. Uh, on his second 40, his first one was a 4-3-9, so he actually got better on, on the second one. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to, to Bo and the Melton family. Uh, they're, they're from our area. I've, I've, I coached against Bo Melton when he was at Cedar Creek High School. He's, ha- he's got two brothers who went through the Cedar Creek program. Uh, that's a tremendous high school program in our area. They just went, they just went 14-0 and this year and won the state championship. Um, the Mel- they, won a, they won a state championship when Bo was there. Uh, Bo went on to Rutgers, had a great career there. His brother plays at Rutgers now. His father, who I played against way back in the day, his father played at Rutgers. So they're, they're a tremendous football family. But just a quick note about Bo Melton. One thing we're going to talk about on, on the show today is character and, and what you know I believe from a coach's perspective, the, the importance of character, how much it matters. Um, one of the coaches on my staff uh, at our high school, Frank Lasasso, his, his eight-year-old son, Frankie, has been diagnosed with leukemia. And, it, you know, it's really awful, uh, but he's doing very well, which is wonderful. Uh, he's, he's, he's fighting through his, his chemotherapy. And, but obviously, as you can imagine, it's a tremendous burden on the family. And it's just something that no, no parent should ever have to, to deal with. But uh, Frank, Frank didn't have any personal connection to Bo Melton or the Melton family. But when Bo Melton found out about this, because, you know, the football community is tight. South Jersey football is tight. People, people hear things through, you know, mutual contacts or whatever, and they, they'll reach out. But um, so, Bo, so word got up to Bo Melton up at Rutgers about, about Frankie's leukemia diagnosis. And he made a video for Frankie. He got Rutgers players to, to join in on the video. He sent him a signed football, a signed jersey, and a signed pair of cleats, you know, all, all to a, a little kid who he really had no personal connection with other than, you know, they he, he was the – uh, you know, the son of a coach of a rival high school of his. So I, I, anyway, I just thought, boy, that really showed the character of that young man. So when he ran a four, three, four today, man, blew it out of the water. I thought to myself, Oh, that's tremendous. Good for you, Bo Melton. And, uh, and it's inevitably that's going to rise his draft stock. Well, absolutely fantastic story. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, we will all be praying for Frankie and the family, but for Bo Melton to do something like that when he didn't have to, that's just absolutely the personification of character. And that's not an image thing. You just don't do that. I mean, he doesn't need that to uh, boost his profile. What that does is that's just come straight from the heart. And you've got to love a guy like that. And that's the kind of guy that you want on your professional team. 
Yeah, you know, and he didn't put it on Twitter. He didn't put it on Instagram. You know, it wasn't something that he did for the likes uh, or for the media attention. He just did it quietly and privately uh, through the Lasasso family. And we only found out about it because Frank told us. So, again, the things that you do when nobody's looking, that's what defines character. And, uh, you know, that's certain. he's certainly a young man who has it. Well, absolutely. I'm so glad that I heard that story because that's that's absolutely tremendous. Now, I got to be honest with you, Bo Melton was not on my radar whatsoever. He still might have not been on my radar after his uh, 4.3. Is that what what you said? 4.33 or 3.6? 4.34, yeah, 4.34. It really, it might have not been on my radar. Now, I know it's on the radar of our our draft guys here because our Slack channel is going crazy with uh with that information and they're really paying attention to the combine like crazy and they know these guys that no one else knows and i gotta tell you i'm not familiar with that name but i am now and now i'm gonna be looking for yeah you know i mean the steelers need speed at the wide receiver position and melton to me he didn't feel like a guy the Steelers would be interested in because he's he's very similar to deontay johnson that similar in size similar in skill set, um, not, not the polished receiver Deontay Johnson is. He doesn't have the real, you know, that Deontay Johnson's got an elite quick burst. And whereas Melton's a little bit faster as a straight line guy. But, um, but you know, the Steelers need speed at the wide receiver position, that's for sure. So, yeah, you put a 4-3-4 up, and uh, a lot of people around the league are going to take notice, including the Steelers. Does he return kicks as well? He, I think, returns punts, yes. Wow, that's but, that's a big thing too. You know, it's amazing to look at the best punt returners, and it's an average of fifteen because you just don't get the distance that you do from a kickoff. So that's absolutely amazing. Those guys are in your face right away. You've actually got to be fearless when you're fielding punts. So that's interesting too. I I love to hear that. You know, I love talking about wide receivers, and really, what the Steelers need right now, they definitely need to replenish that wide receiver group but they need somebody to throw to the wide receivers. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Here We Go, because everybody's talking quarterback. If I were to say to you that there are 20 possible prospects for the Steelers, not just in the draft, but free agency and a trade, would you say that that's right on or a little exaggerated? I know the pool is large, and we obviously – aren't privy to what the Steelers really think. But if the reports that we're reading about their interest are true, then while that pool is theoretically large, realistically, it seems pretty small. It seems like there's a, there's a free agent pool that might be headlined by Trubisky and Mariota and Winston. I mean, those are the names that have been most recently attached to the Steelers. There's another name that, that I think we talk about simply because of the Matt Canada connection, which is Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Brissett would probably be more of a like, you know, uh, if they're, if they're going to go with Rudolph, Brissett might, would be your, your, your number two, whereas Trubisky, Mariota, and Winston would be guys I think that would be brought in to legitimately compete for the number one job. You, you hear Gardner Minshew's name is a trade possibility. The Eagles might make him available. And if the price is reasonable, he might be a guy the Steelers pursue. But in the draft, the guy that obviously has garnered all the attention simply because the Steelers have been gushing over him has been Malik Willis, which isn't to say that they wouldn't look at Kenny Pickett or maybe in the second round, Desmond Ritter. 
But Willis is the guy uh, who's really seems to be the apple of Mike Tomlin's eye. And he's the guy that, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about tonight. Well, we definitely will. In fact, we're going to try to talk about all of these guys. Let me slow down a second and ask you this. You as a coach, you have, I believe your quarterback is going into his senior year this year, right? Correct. Okay. So when do you start thinking about the future as far as that goes? Because (laughs) you're, because not only are you, not only are you the head coach, you're also the general manager of a high school team because you're the personnel guy as well. And so what, how do you look at that? I mean, in the pros, we're, we're not looking too far in the future because we know Ben Roethlisberger is there for hopefully so many years. And then now you're in a situation where you've got to look for now and you've got to look for the future at the same time. And you've got to decide which way you want to go if you want a bridge guy. But it's different in high school, I know. So just on that level, when do you start looking for the next signal caller on that team? Is it, are you stalking the JV with it or is it a backup? That's a continual process just because of the nature of the beast. You're, you've got four years max with these kids and then they move on. And like you just said, we, we don't have the luxury of signing them to a 10 year contract. So you kind of have to constantly be looking. If you, if you can get two good year, two years out of a starter, that's wonderful. The fact that our kid started this year, played 13 games and will come back with that experience under his belt as a senior is just tremendous because you don't have to sort of reteach it, you know, anything. We'll hit the ground running with him because he's got that experience and he knows the system but obviously you are constantly grooming the next person. And we think we've got a pretty good next one, a kid who's a freshman now who will be a sophomore. But then you, you look at like seventh and eighth graders too. I mean, I don't want to get into the craziness. Where, you know, I, I've, I've had, and I, I'm dead serious about this. I've had parents send me videos of their kid playing quarterback in fourth grade and say, <laughs> you know, hey, uh, I just wanted you to look at my, at my, my son. And, you know, my response is like, oh, all right, well, you know, when he, when he grows, uh, when he grows some hair on his armpits, then uh, maybe I'll, I'll take you seriously. But I mean, just, <laughs> how do they uh, respond to that? Uh, you know, it's just it's seriously, it's it's so much. I mean, you can't even begin to imagine what can change between the age of nine and the age of seventeen. Um, but it's a continual process, and I really think it is. You know, for I think it's been a process the Steelers have been working on for a while now. They've they obviously invested some mid-round picks over the last few years in in guys who who they could groom to be Ben Roethlisberger's backup maybe with the thought that they would then go on and get a shot as as his heir um and I don't you know I don't know if they really hit on any of those guys but again how many how many third and fourth round quarterbacks uh, are are hits there aren't there aren't a whole lot of them so so Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph and Who's the other one? Landry Jones, right? You, you know, you've got those those guys that they took a shot on, and weren't they were generally thought of as backup guys? Uh, but now they're now they're zeroing in on on you know franchise quarterbacks, and that's a different animal, and that's where you're going to be mining the first round. Very interesting. So let me ask you this: If you're Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan, and you're trying to figure this whole thing out, Brandon Hunt as well. Now, are you looking equal parts on other teams and equal parts NCAA right now? My, the thing I struggle with, and I haven't, I haven't written about this on the site yet because I really haven't 
made up my mind about where two things where I would go if it was if it was my call or where I think the Steelers were going are going to go because I really don't know I don't know how much they believe in Mason Rudolph that's the thing the the comments you know you always try to read between the lines what what exactly are they saying when you know in in the things they are saying and the things they're not saying and and it's really hard to get a read that there, there has not yet been a ringing endorsement of Mason Rudolph as like, he's going to be the guy this coming year. There have been Colbert had that great comment about, well, if the season started today, he'd be our guy. Well, you know, great. But right now you only have two quarterbacks on the roster. It's him and, and Haskins. So, yeah, so absolutely so that, right. So definitely he'd be our guy, but obviously between now and September, a lot's going to change. So, so that's a really tough thing to try to figure out. I, I think, I think they're going to really look at the free agent market and, and they're going to bring in a veteran guy. They're going to try their best to bring in probably one of those three guys we mentioned earlier, Trubisky, Mariota, or Winston to compete with Rudolph for the, for the top job, because I think the only quarterback that they really love in the first round is Willis. And I don't know if they're convinced he'll be there. But if they do sign one of those free agents, Trubisky, Mariota, or Winston, I don't think that would stop them from taking Willis if he was available at number 20 and, you know, if they felt to themselves, hey, he's really our guy. So I think that I think there's a lot of balls up in the air right now. And obviously, I think they have a distinct plan, but I also believe that they feel like they can be a little flexible with that plan. There's a plan. We just don't know it. The media and the fans are just trying to guess it. And that's the thing that we're going to talk about when we come back right after this. We're also going to take a look at Malik Willis and a few of the other college quarterbacks out there. And we're going to take a look at some of the pros that could possibly be sporting hypocycloids on their helmets come fall. So with that being said, Kevin, we will be right back after this on Here We Go, The Steelers Show. Welcome back, my friends, BTSC Nation, Steeler fans, Kevin Smith. I'm Brian Anthony Davis, and we are here for Here We Go, the Steelers show. It's the offseason, and the combine's going on as we speak, and we are also talking about the quarterback position because that's probably the next domino that's going to fall before free agency if something happens. You're going to find out about the quarterback position somewhat in the next couple of weeks, because you know, Kevin Colbert already said it, they're bringing a veteran in and we know that there's so many on the list, but then you look at the draft and you have heard all the reports about who they covet, who they love and the mock drafts. Don't trust a mock draft, Kevin. There's, there's one thing that I've learned since I've been at BTSC, I've coined this phrase. You never trust a fart. And you never trust a mock draft. <laughs> That's that is poetry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm not the classiest guy in the league for nothing, folks. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right, though. We don't, we don't, we don't know anything. I, we all have our ideas. You have quote unquote insiders who talk to people. 
everybody does their own evaluations, et cetera. It's not too hard to look at a team and what their needs are and then make some guesses about what they might do. Absolutely. But, but we don't, we don't know. And so that's why you really can't trust a mock draft. Now, some years you can trust it more than others. Last year, for example, we've, I think a lot of people felt pretty confident they were going to take Najee Harris simply because need uh, matched the way that everybody expected the draft to fall. N- nobody really thought that anyone would go for a running back ahead of the Steelers. And so it seemed like the Steelers would get their pick of the best back in the draft. So, so that seemed a little more clear this year, the Steelers have a lot of needs and a lot of ways that they can go in that first round offensive line quarterback. They can go corner on D they could go linebacker if they wanted to. There's just a lot of options right there. So, so it'll be really hard to, to nail their top pick this year. And, and whoever does it, I'll, I'll give them props because that's not going to be an easy thing. Well, you know what? The thing for me is, and we've got a lot of people here at BTSC that are completely in love with Tyler Linderbaum. I love him too. I think he's awesome. I just don't think the Steelers are wanting a center as much as we all want a center. In their mind, I think they have their center and they're developing him. But, and that is Kendrick Green. But I just have that feeling that we're setting ourselves up for a situation where we're in love with this guy. And even if he falls to number 20, they might not take him because they have their eyes on a different prize. So when you look at everything that we're seeing right now with all the free agent quarterbacks out there, we see lists all the time. Top three destinations for Russell Wilson. Top three destinations for Jimmy Garoppolo. Top three destinations for Team A, Team B, Team C, Team D. The Steelers are always on that list. They're on every single list. Not at three, at either one or two. Top best best team to trade for Derek Carr. And the thing about it is these are national guys putting this stuff out. They don't, they don't realize that the Steelers don't want to spend the draft capital on guys like that. When you can get a guy like a Mitch Trubisky instead of a Jimmy Garoppolo and not spend draft capital, you can get a guy like Carson Wentz if and when the Colts drop him, which I think they're going to cut him. I don't think they're going to find a trade candidate and if they do it's it's going to be a low ball trade candidate that they probably don't want to do so they might just cut losses and lose them then take a sixth round pick which i think in the melvin ingram situation last year you know he's not going to play for you you take a sixth round pick and you're happy with it. but i have a feeling that the colts may not do it and they might not drop they might just drop them completely because there's some teams that don't want to give, give up a sixth-round pick when they could possibly get the guy for just another contract. So with that, you know, we hear this all the time, and it's what the Steelers want. And until they come out and say what they want, then you, then you know. I mean, Kevin Colbert's been giving us uh, a couple uh, times with the media the last couple weeks And he throws some hints in there, but he's not going to be able to tell us anything for sure until they know exactly what they're doing. And he's not going to play his hand completely. 
they're going to say it that yes, we're, we are bringing in a quarterback. They just didn't say how they, they said a veteran quarterback. You just don't think with all of the needs that they have, that they are going to pay through a trade. So if I ask you this, what do you think the chances are percentage wise of the Steelers pulling the trigger on a trade to bring a guy in? I think very low. I don't think the only guy who I think that they might do it for would be a guy like Gardner Minshew, who they could probably get for fairly cheap. Uh, and I, so I, because I do think that there are enough free agents that fit what they seem to be looking for, for them to be able to, to work it out that way, rather than, I, I do not think at all that they're taking on big salary, Wilson Rogers, you know, one of those guys, I don't Garoppolo think they're taking on too. right now, Yeah. He's the guy, he's got tw- a 20 something million dollar price tag. I mean, that's a huge chunk for them to take on right now, unless they're convinced that he's the franchise guy. And I, and I don't believe that they are. So if we think to our, if we ask ourselves this, what are they looking for? What in, in a quarterback? I mean, here are a couple of things that have sort of emerged over the last few weeks. Mike Tomlin has remarked repeatedly that he wants a mobile quarterback, that he, that he values the ability to move. And what that means exactly is unclear. Does he mean a mobile quarterback, like somebody who could extend plays like Roethlisberger did in his prime? Because Trubisky's kind of in that mold, like a younger Roethlisberger. He's got better mobility than Roethlisberger did, but, but it's not elite by any stretch. Uh, or is he talking about you know, a guy who really can make plays with his legs, like a Mariota or, or a Jameis Winston? Mariota's a little better in that regard. Um, so, but, but either way, mobility is going gonna, is gonna to be something that they're, that they're looking for. Second thing that they're going to look for is a guy who can execute Canada's offense, a guy who is comfortable with a more modern style of football. And by modern, I mean a, a style that integrates the shifts, the, the pre-snap motions, uh, the RPOs, the read options, all these things that have been very, very hot in the college game for 15 years now, but have managed to trickle their way up into the pros in the last five or six years. Things that Roethlisberger couldn't really do, Canada loves. So, you, so you're looking at those two things. And then the third thing that they have to, to consider is – leadership you're there there's going to be a huge leadership void with ben roethlisberger exiting this is something that we've been talking about around btsc for the last few weeks you know who assumes the mantle of leadership for the offense and while well i don't know if any quarterback any of the guys we mentioned uh and certainly not a college guy is going to come in step into that huddle on day one and suddenly become the leader of the offense and let you know unless it's for some reason, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, which is not going to be. Um, whoever they do bring in, though, has got to be a guy who's got a little bit of, you know, what kind of what they call a dude quality, right? He's a little bit of a dude. He's got, like, you know, a presence about him. He can command the huddle. He can lead a, a group of grown men. I mean, there's some there's some <laughs> real grown men in an NFL huddle. And uh, and there's a guy who, in, who in, inspires that confidence. When I think about Mason Rudolph, that to me, that's the one thing that jumps out. The one thing that I just I question, is he that guy? So I think the Steelers have to think about that as well. So whomever they bring in, those are three big considerations. If you look at the top five free agents that are out there, and I'm going to con- I'm going to include Carson Wentz in there because he is he's possibly in the next couple of weeks a free agent. So if you're looking at these guys, the first thing that you look at is holy gee there's a number one pick in that mix there's a number two pick in 
Marcus Mariota, the number one being Jameis Winston, and that was the same year, 2015. You've got another number two pick in Carson Wentz and a number, another number two pick in Mitch Trubisky. I would think they would be in the top four. And if I would throw another guy in there, I would throw in Jacoby Brissett because of his mobility and because of his ties to Matt Canada, maybe at the number five position. Where would you rank those five guys on the KT Smith coach ledger? Well, for me, the top two are Trubisky and Mariota because I think they have the most of the most of the ingredients that we were just discussing, the things that the Steelers would be looking for, the, the mobility, uh, the athleticism. Uh, Mariota's, you know, he, he did fairly well as a starter. I, he didn't exactly, you know, have elite production, but he did fairly well as a starter in Tennessee. Uh, Trubisky obviously struggled in Chicago. He was in a very bad situation. And everything I've read about him says that they, they loved him in Buffalo, that they were, they were really excited about his progress, and they felt very confident with him as the backup to Josh Allen. And he's obviously looking for a, a situation where he won't be buried. He's buried behind Allen. Yeah. So those are the two guys that, that are at the top of my list. Winston uh, is just a tease, man. He's got such he's got such great potential. He makes those plays that are highlight real plays. But boy, does he turn the ball over and the interceptions. He just, he, yeah, he just hasn't shown that he can't that he can overcome that yet. And if you're the Steelers and you look at what the Steelers are going to need to do to be successful next year, protecting the football is going to be huge because they're not going to be an explosive offense. They're going to have to be able to, to put drives together uh, and, you know, beat teams with, by being able to be smart and, and that court, their quarterback's going to have to protect the football. Um, you know, the bottom of my list, uh, Brissett would probably be fourth because of his familiarity with, with Canada. Although I, I wouldn't be excited about Brissett as the starter, uh, but, but, you know, I think he'd be a, a reasonably safe bet. Uh, the guy who I like the least is Carson Wentz. I mean, I, I again, Philadelphia, I, I, you know, I have some connections to the Eagles. I know some people in the, in the uh, organization there. And uh, obviously a lot of talking to a lot of people in this area who are, are, are Eagles guys. And, you know, just the big knock on Carson Wentz is this, that, that everywhere, everything you hear about him says that he's got lots of ability, lots of talent, but he is very uncoachable. He is, he is stubborn and he is uncoachable. And and stuff gets in his head. And if you're a quarterback, man, you have you got to be like a corner on defense. You got to have a short memory or like Mike Tomlin says, man, big windshield, small rearview mirror. You can't think about the stuff that's behind you, the mistakes you've made, the things people are saying about you. And if you're not real coachable, if you're not willing to take coaching, then you, then you're, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get better. And all these guys, every single guy we just named, they're a free agent for a reason. And the reason is. They haven't been good enough in the places that they've been. They need to get better. They need to take to coaching. Uh, and they've all got the potential. We're, again, like you said, we're talking about number one and number two picks. So they've got all the potential. Uh, but they need to obviously take a good long, long look in the mirror and decide for themselves, like, how do I get better? And if you're not coachable, then you're, you're hitting dead ends. I like Mariota because he showed up in Vegas and he was on the field a good bit they would sub him in and he would take over the reins. So he wasn't your typical backup. He was your weapon backup with his running ability. And I, I liked what he did. I love, and last week he was the guy when I told you, it's probably going to change almost every couple of weeks. Now I'm in love with the idea of Mitch Trubisky. 
And you talked about his struggles in Chicago. He was still a pro bowler in Chicago, still took that team to the playoffs and their kicker blew an attempt in the wild card game, or they would have moved on to the second round. So here's a guy that has a, he's done some things, but he was on the Chicago bears. And when we talk about one of the most underachieving teams in the last 20 years, it's the Chicago bears for me, Kevin. Yeah, they had a great defense. That was the double doink game, right? Yeah, yep. that's, uh, that's a classic. <laughs> Parkey, I think it was Cody Parkey. I think you're right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, and again, the things we've read out of Buffalo suggest that they, they really like him. And there's a reason he was a second-round pick. He's got a great arm, and, uh, and he does, you know, does some really nice things out of the pocket, which is something I think Canada would love. So who knows? He might, he might be a guy who uh, in the right system, uh, if maybe Canada's system is the right system. I mean, there's some similarities. I remember Jeffrey Benedict wrote a great article about the, the Steelers offense and comparing it to the bills offense. Yes. Uh, you know, have the Buffalo bills fired Matt Canada yet. That was a great article. I love that title. article. Yeah. And Najee Harris is a much better runner than they have in Buffalo. Sure. And so if the bills love Trubisky and, and, and Pittsburgh's uh, system is somewhat similar then. You know, yeah, the, there could be uh, some opportunity for success here. Let's take a look at the college game here. Malik Willis is the guy that they're talking about all the time. And a lot of mocks I'm seeing right now, like I said, don't trust it. But they're saying that they're going to trade up. I just don't see the Steelers trading up for a quarterback this year. I don't think this is the class that you do it for unless you are in complete love with Malik Willis. Compare Malik Willis's game to somebody in the pros right now, Kevin. Well, he is somewhere between. He's somewhere between, you know, Lamar Jackson with what he he's able to do with his legs, and Josh Allen uh, because of of his arm strength. I mean, he he's he's not Josh Allen big. He's only six foot one. Allen's six five. Allen's a huge guy, um, but he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. And, uh, and he's a, he's a guy who, who can, can make plays, uh, to use the a phrase I actually hate, but I it just popped into my head. So I'll use it off platform. That's such like a pundit play or a pundit, uh, phrase. And I've never heard a coach talk about a quarterback, you know, being off platform, which all that really means is, you know, you're improvising, you're making plays out of the pocket when, you know, you're kind of extending plays like Roethlisberger used to do. Uh, and Willis is great at it, so he can make those plays, but he can also just, you know, design runs. I mean, if you, you want to run quarterback power, like the Bills do a ton of, they run a ton of quarterback sweep, quarterback counter with Josh Allen, and he can make those plays. He's not the runner Jackson is, but he's got a Jackson-esque feel to his, to his game. So he's somewhere probably between those two. And, you know, he's between those two also in the sense that he needs to sit for a, a little while. He's not coming into the NFL as a, finished product he's not stepping in as a rookie and looking like a starting nfl quarterback he needs to sit for a little bit and learn the nuances of the nfl game the big thing he's got to do is get better at his read progressions and going through full field reads liberty's offense was a lot of one read stuff you know you're you're reading a a defender's drop and you got an a or a b and if the defender does this you throw a if he does that you throw a b and option C is take off and run, make something happen. And that was a lot of their offense. And that's just not how it is in the pros. So, so he, he needs some development. But if, if your ceiling is somewhere between 
Jackson and Allen uh, pre- and, you know, preferably in the Allen range, that that's pretty darn good. So you would say that he is a better passer than Lamar Jackson? Yes, definitely. Because right now with the legs, I don't think anybody's better than Lamar. I think no. he's, uh, I just think he's the best. What I saw at the senior bowl was two quarterbacks. I saw a guy at the senior bowl that when he takes off and runs, he's magic, but there was too much of dependence on that running for me that scared me. And when he passed the ball, I did not see much that impressed me, but that is a different ball game. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that you can, you can tell Willis needs development because when you, when you watch, uh, his highlight tapes and things like that, his best throws are all to the boundary. They're all outside. And that's where the reads are easiest. There's not a whole lot of clutter out there. You get, you get one-on-ones, you get a lot of pre-snap reads uh, when, you know, and that kind of stuff. When you look outside, you see, all right, it's, it's, it's one high coverage, it's two high coverage, whatever. I know we got this route called him. I'm going to chuck it out there. And he's got such a strong arm that he can really make those throws well. Where you didn't see him throw the ball a whole lot was, you know, down the middle of the field, crossing routes, post routes, digs, you know, middle, mid attack, the middle of the field, et cetera. Um, because that's more complicated and Liberty didn't ask him to do that, that a whole lot, but that's something he's going to have to get better at in order to be a better NFL passer. That's really kind of where Lamar Jackson has sort of hit, hit the wall a little bit dynamic runner. Willis is a little more explosive of a runner, not quite as elusive as Jackson, but Jackson hasn't yet really been able to elevate his passing game uh, by being able to command the middle of the field. I'm going to list the other quarterbacks here for you that we would consider as far as prospects for any NFL team in the first or second round. So I'm going to ask you to attach a round to these guys, and then we will go forward and whether Pittsburgh would really be interested in them in that round. So when I, when I asked you to give the round, I'm asking you to give it if you're Pittsburgh. So yep. let's go ahead. Let's start with Kenny Pickett. Are you asking me if we would take him in the first? Is if he's there at twenty? Yes. I, they the Steelers might. I would not. I would not. I mean, I love Kenny Pickett. Uh, he's a great story. He's a Jersey guy, but to me, he's Mason Rudolph, uh, a better version of Mason Rudolph. And I just don't know if that's the direction the Steelers want to go. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the truth. Uh, I'm afraid that Kenny could be fool's gold. I love him, but. That next level does scare me. There's a lot of people that are rooting for this guy, though, too, to be in black and gold. And I I love the story as well. Let's talk about Carson Strong from Nevada. Yeah, big arm, uh, but his big limitation has been injuries. Hasn't had a ton of experience. That Nevada offense is not really an NFL-style offense. Doesn't really have a pro-style passing game. So, Strong's a guy I think that there's some concerns about you know, what, how good could he be? Is he going to be just a really raw talent that never quite develops the ability to, to translate to the NFL game? Or, or, or could he be a guy that like actually you know, kind of gets it? Like he figures it out and uh, you know, turns into a Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen went to Wyoming, you know, and yep. to, which is the, it's kind of a similar style of play for, as Nevada. So He's a question mark guy. You know, again, I, I'm not I'm not spending the 20th pick on him because, you know, he, he could he could bust. We don't know what's going to happen exactly with, with him. Uh, but then again, he's got great physical skills, so he's going to be a little bit of a gamble. Are you buying him at two? What round? 
I'm I'm not for me again. If we're if we're just asking me, if I'm Kevin Colbert, I'm not drafting a quarterback in the second round. I'm if I'm drafting a quarterback, it's in the first round. I've seen the Steelers do the developmental thing for a while, and and to me, uh, you know, you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, and the majority of them are first round guys. You know, you don't you once you get down into the second round, you don't get a lot of guys uh, who 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 turn into franchise quarterbacks. So, and, you know, unless they, they, they so believe that there's a guy that fits what they're trying to do in round two, and I think there's one guy that, that might. Um, and that's I Sam Howell, right? Yeah, that's Sam Howell. I think he might be the guy in round two that they say to themselves, you know, like, hey, he, if he's here in round two, he, he checks enough of the boxes in the Matt Canada offense for us to take a shot. Would you ever see them taking Howell at number one? Uh, probably not. I don't, okay. I don't. I don't think so. Well, uh, the last two guys to talk to you about are Matt Coral and Desmond yeah. Ritter. Matt Coral, I like a lot. I, 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 re- I really do. Um, I just, you know, I think teams will be a little nervous about the ACL injury. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously guys bounce back from that these days, but Coral's a guy who's going to sit for a little while and, and, and learn to develop uh, in the NFL game. He might need to get a little bit stronger, but, but every, every time I watched him this year, he just, he was dynamic. He just seemed to like, you know, he was a good leader. He had, he commanded the offense. I mean, the, his team responded well to him when he got hurt. That team was devastating. You, you know, you can really, you can really learn a lot by watching how team, how teammates react to somebody else's successes or their injuries or things like that. And that, that team really, really felt for him when, when he got hurt. So um, I, I get the feeling he's a good leader. You know, that then, comment reminds me of 2002, I believe, and Marshall players carrying Byron Leftwich down. the. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the great. That's one of the one of the biggest compliments to a player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you know that they did that for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Who's who's our last guy? Ritter. Oh, uh, yeah. Ritter. Uh, Ritter's, you know, he he got exposed a little bit in that in the cha- not the championship the playoff game against Alabama uh because he's basically playing against the NFL defense you know with, with in Al- in Alabama and really struggled and seemed seemed confused by a lot of the things that Bama threw threw at him which isn't to say that uh he can't succeed in the NFL he can he's he's, he's a confident guy you ever listen to the guy talk and you know he's a guy who believes in himself which you certainly want in your quarterback but um how far behind he is in terms of his ability to read and recognize defenses is going to be a concern. And then the other big thing with him is he's had accuracy issues. And if there's one thing that, you know, we can really take out of, out of Kevin Colbert's comments recently, he really sort of made a strong emphatic statement about accuracy and where he said, like, I believe that one thing you can, you can learn about a quarterback in college that will translate to how they're going to be in the NFL is by looking at their, at their accuracy. He said that if they're inaccurate in college, they're going to be inaccurate in the pros. And that kind of was a red flag to me when it came to Ritter. All right. Gut check time. Who do you think they're going to go with on this date, this first week of March in 2022? You don't have to, we're not holding you to this, but this is here and now. Okay, right here and now, today, right now, today, I'm saying that it's going to be Mitch Trubisky uh, and not a first-round quarterback, maybe maybe a, a developmental guy a little bit later in the draft. Very good. Le- one more question. Say they go ahead and take a guy like Trubisky, 
They trade for Garoppolo. They know that they've got a number one guy in there. Do they, and they find a guy in the second round, like a Howell. Do you think they still do it? I think Howell might be a guy who tempts them in the second round. Say you have Trubisky and Rudolph competing for the number one job. Haskins is in the mix somewhere. Uh, but Howell's sitting there in the second round and, and you say, you know, hey, we like him enough to, to think, feel like we can stash him for a couple of years and then he might be able to be the guy. So it wouldn't shock me if they did that. And I think the fans would be fine with that too because I go back to it's a completely different position. But if Terrell Edmonds was picked in the second or third round, he would be beloved right now in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. He would, he would be one of the favorites. But the fact they didn't do him any favors by taking the man in the first round. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of comparisons between Hal and Baker Mayfield. And, you know, that might make Steeler fans cringe. But it makes again, me nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, you look at uh, Mayfield bears those expectations of a guy who was taken at the top of the draft, too. And if Mayfield had been a second round pick, uh, I don't think that the criticism would be as harsh. No, it, it probably would not. And the Browns on Thursday announced that they wanted to go ahead and extend him, that they're interested in keeping him as their QB one. So really interesting stuff there. Kevin, and thanks. Steelers, so and Steelers fans rejoiced, right? Yes, we definitely re <laughs> rejoiced because I made that comment about six weeks ago that, hey, <laughs> Baker Mayfield might be the next quarterback in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and people went crazy. And I could actually, I still could see that happening in uh, if something happens and he's available next year and the Steelers don't have their guy. I would hate it, but you never know. I, you can't just, uh, remember, we're not the GMs. I'm definitely not either. And we've got to know that they're making the decisions and they might cover the guy more than we do because they know more. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much. This was a great conversation surrounding the quarterback position. I think different than any conversations that you're going to hear out there. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, it's going to be one of the great plot lines of the offseason. And, I, I, you know, we're all just kind of it's like it's like watching a suspenseful movie. You know, we're kind of waiting for, you know, how, how's it going to end? Is there going to be a big plot twist? What's going to happen? So this will be really, really cool to follow. Well, it's funny because we're coming up on. We are going to be recording this show on the 17th when the new year, new league year starts and our show will be on the 18th on that Friday. So it's going to be very interesting with all the dominoes that are going to fall. Where will the quarterback domino fall? Probably sooner than you think. We'll see. And that's what we're here for. All of BTSC. Check out all of the podcast here. You know, they're great. You had what Ian's talking about premiere today in its new time slot. This show premieres tomorrow, which is Friday. That's actually the, uh, we're recording it on Thursday, but it will premiere at noon on Friday. You have Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride. You've got some great weekend shows. The Six Pack with Tony Defio. You've got Touchdown Under. You have the Steelers Power Half Hour. You're going to have Let's Ride back on Monday, and you're going to have some new shows. Kevin Tate with We Run the North. Talk about the AFC North division and where the Steelers fit in it. And I'm going to have a new show called the Steelers Sermon coming up. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks again, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, have a great week, everybody. You too, Kevin. For Kevin Smith, I'm Brian Anthony Davis. We ask you to do three things. Stay safe. Be true to yourself. And always be behind the steel curtain.
and keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. We'll see you.